0: Hey, and welcome to episode two of Hit The Clock Podcast. I am Cheryl, your host. In this episode, Psychological Wellbeing Practitioner and Cognitive Behavioural Psychotherapist Eves joins me to discuss the importance of therapy as a way of protecting your mental health. Whilst the conversation is applicable to all humans, because mental health is important to everyone, in and amongst it all, we look at why having therapy still carries a huge amount of stigma within the black community, and more specifically, when it comes to black men. We talk about the underrepresentation of black people within the mental health field, why sharing emotions is crucial, what mental health issues such as depression and anxiety anxiety actually look like, imposter syndrome and much more. It is a deep one but it's oh so necessary. I really hope you enjoy this episode and as always feedback is very welcome. Hit me up on the socials at Cheryl's World and let me know what you think. With me on this episode I have cognitive behavioral therapist Yes. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate all that you do. I just think, obviously, I I speak to you away from like any kind of online stuff, and I think what you do is amazing. It's necessary as a black man. We need more of this. I decided to dedicate this season of Hit the Clock to talking with black men, Mm. um, getting their perspectives, understanding their profession, their professional uh, opinion, Mm. as well as their personal opinion about stuff. And I think with you, as someone that deals with CBT, uh, deals with mental health, I think as a massive area amongst not only black men but the black community yes, as a whole so I think mm. it's a great topic to discuss so yes. so Eve just a quick overview of what it is that you actually do uh,
1: so um yes yeah, as you as you introduced me so I'm a cognitive behavioral psychotherapist so I work predominantly with people with uh, depression and anxiety disorders and it can also be bereavement at times as well so we do therapy in a way so we help people overcome their difficulties um, in a very structured way and the psychology way, in a sense, that perhaps actually we help people identify their unhelpful thinking patterns and unhelpful behaviours. And in a way, we kind of help them identify their own issues, the cycle of their problems. So all cycles, including depression and anxiety, does have a beginning point, but also it kind of a factor in terms of what we do to keep ourselves in a vicious cycle. Right. So with cognitive behavioural therapy, we identify those behaviours and in a way trying to change them organically and also introduce useful coping skills and strategies to help people kind of break out of the vicious cycle of depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds quite complex, but in a way to simplify it, it's almost helping people identify the problems, break it down into smaller and more manageable pieces and introduce coping skills and strategies to help them overcome them
0: that's amazing i love that and i think it's such a necessary and it must be such a rewarding profession it must be a rewarding kind of area of expertise you know you actually see Mm, the benefits of what what you're doing with individuals 100%,
1: 100%. 100%. 100%. I suppose, I suppose that's what keeps me motivated in this job as well, you know, um, mm-hmm. in this field. I mean, it can be quite emotionally challenging. You know, you're taking on people's burden. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, it's just the fact that you can make such a massive difference mm-hmm. in someone's life. You start the treatment with someone who has depression or anxiety and they tell you about their goals, where they want to be. And then when you see them eventually reach those goals, it's just, it's just amazing. It makes you feel mm-hmm. so accomplished. And I suppose it's, it's ultimately what satisfies me as a therapist, you know, mm-hmm. improving people's lives and i get the chance and opportunity to do that on a daily basis so
0: how do you co- how do you make sure you don't get too drawn in i mean obviously as you know i'm i'm, I'm training as well but i really do struggle because i'm someone that i'm very empathetic I do take on a lot of people, you know, especially if it's people close to me, I do take on Mm. their emotions and sometimes I have to really talk to myself and say, no, Cheryl, this isn't your problem, you know, take a step back. So how do you as a therapist cope when someone comes to you with something and you can really feel that they're struggling? How do you maintain that? Not only professional, but I guess Mm. for your own mental health, that that safety distance?
1: That's a really good question. And I suppose for me personally, I very much rely on supervision. So i I got regular supervision um, within, within the practice that I do. But also outside of work, uh, we do have kind of like a close knit friends of psychotherapists, where we can discuss. Everything is confidential, of course, and anonymized But it's it's almost like supporting each other mentally. But also recognizing your own your own barriers, because I can work with the clients absolutely fine. But the same clients uh, would work with a different therapist, and the therapist might struggle purely because their own difficulty is being triggered within the client's own presentation. So, so I know mine, I know certain topics, you know, if, if a client was to come with me to me with that specific presentation, I might find it difficult because it might trigger something within my own personal life. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I understand. So, so I think having that awareness is, is great. And also I suppose within the service that I work, I work with, you know, we do have that flexibility of saying or, or transferring a client to a different therapist, if that was to ever be the case right so it sounds a bit cliche but as a therapist you know very much knowing uh, your own limitations and your own your own barriers really it's almost like kryptonite isn't it yes yeah.
0: yeah okay so with regards to sort of black men yes we know that we have a real situation mm. when it comes to the mental health of, of black men what's your whole Positioning on that?
1: How do you see it? Where to begin? Where to begin? I mean I want to
0: say the beginning, but where is the beginning? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Where is the beginning, Cheryl? I mean, first of all, it's very interesting, isn't it? Because I'm just I'm I'm reflecting as myself as a black male psychotherapist you know mm-hmm. and and i think we we briefly had a conversation um i think maybe it must have been last week you and i but briefly in relation to actually thinking how rare it is for me to be even in this field as, as a as a black male so there's not many black male therapists around there at all and that really speaks volumes in in a way to perhaps reflect on how much we value psychology you know how much we we see value in that as a line of work so with that being said i do definitely feel like there is a sense of we, we feel like Like psychology or mental health, we feel like perhaps it doesn't necessarily hold a high value of importance within our day to day life.
0: Which is crazy to me, because the same way we actively try and maintain our physical health, our mental health. And I, well, I mean, I I think you and I probably feel the same on this, but I, I feel the mental health side of things is more important because if your mental health is not good then that's going to have a knock-on with the physical anyway yeah so it's imperative that your mental health is maintained
1: mm. yeah 100 percent. think i think mental health definitely should be considered very much in the same playing field as physical health you in know, some if, ways if more. Not, if in some ways even more 100 and i think i suppose sometimes we do find other ways of dealing with our mental health without actually tackling it directly we find indirective ways of dealing with our mental health such as going to the gym Mm-hmm. Looking after ourselves physically, and in a way, you know, some therapists might call that a sense of avoidance.
0: You know, we are I avoiding. Was ask you, is that really dealing with the issues? Because it might be a form of stress relief, mm. but the issues that you're attempting to push weights against—that's not addressing. No. The real issue at hand.
1: No. Yeah. That and that's absolutely absolutely vital that we recognize that you know there's many things that people do to try and to deal with their emotions deal with their anxieties uh, and we're not just talking about physical health here you know we talk about alcohol consumption you know mm-hmm. drug taking social interactions that we have with people sometimes you know we, we we hang around so we develop social interactions or social friendship with certain type of people that perhaps we feel like they alleviate some of what's yeah. lacking or some of the stress levels that we experience it's a pandemic almost isn't it it's a yeah. very especially within the black community yeah
0: yes. even even i want to add in their sort of casual sex and and yes. this kind of thing, I mean I know that comes under the umbrella of social yes but obviously a massive area for me is sort of sex and sexuality and the way people yeah. behave in and around that and yeah people will I mean I have friends that i can see use sex as mm. a means of attachment yes. Um and it's not healthy mm. and in that you can see why they're in a vicious circle of yeah. depression mm. and in some ways anxiety because you're using sex for the wrong reasons and you're not getting what because again you're not addressing yes. what the real issue is in, indeed
1: so what you see here is it's actually them sacrificing long-term benefit with short-term benefits right does, does that make sense here mm-hmm. yeah? yeah and in a way it very much reflects what addiction actually is with any addiction that people experience it's almost that we're trying to compensate or overcompensate the lack of positive emotions mm. with the substance or something that we have control over could be sex to get that short-term pleasure
0: yeah yeah
1: and that in a way makes us feel comforted it makes us forget about our difficulties for a little bit mm-hmm. but actually the more we do so the greater need we have to continue doing so because that's what we're confined in.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting, Mm, but it's actually doing more harm than good.
1: Yes, indeed. Mm. Purely because over a long period of time, you are still avoiding the main issue, isn't it? So the avoidance Mm. just continues. And I suppose it comes to a a point where you even start to forget what the main issue was.
0: Yeah. Because you've yeah. now got many other issues that you're dealing with. Mm. Again, if you want to talk about casual sex, you can talk about a lot of people find themselves in situations where they think it's casual. Then they might develop feelings, yes. and that's another issue that you might have to contend with. I, I don't know. It could be, you know, other effects, side fallout <laughs> of sex, whether that's SDIs or whatever. You know, yeah. there's a hundred and one other things that can come into that. So yeah, you're mm. right. You, know, mm. you end up having to deal with other other things.
1: Yes, and actually, that's that's a very that's that's an interesting point, Cheryl. Because as as uh, as part of assessment that I do with with every Um, of my my clients that I see on a daily basis, one thing that we do assess is their their self-harm. And when we talk about self-harm, yes, it may also include cutting or, or... Or any other forms of self-harm but also risks risk taking yeah that is particularly quite high in men so men who have depression and anxiety what tends to, research has shown is that they tend to take more part in risky behaviors mm-hmm. and as you said you know promiscuity you know sex uh unsafe sex unsafe sexual behaviors unsafe driving just any sense of behavior that can again give them a short term of uh excitement almost rush. yeah,
0: yeah. Like yeah. A rush.
1: rush. yeah exactly yeah. and again that almost allows them to ground themselves, to feel part of the moment. Because what depression and anxiety ultimately is, is our inability to live in a moment. Because our thoughts, in a way, makes us think or ruminate past events. And anxiety makes us worry about things that haven't happened yet. So yeah. sex is a very central thing, isn't it? Where you do yeah. it in the present, you have, to, yeah. you have to be right there and then. Yeah. And that can be quite soothing. Same with drugs. It makes it's you feel real. good physically. And it makes yeah. you feel connected with the here and now. So all of those are seen almost as an escape behaviour. And yeah. of course, a lot of them are self-harm behaviour because in the long term, they're doing us more harm than good.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. You touched on depression and anxiety. And I think obviously when we talk about mental health, the spectrum is so broad. But depression and anxiety are two very familiar terms that I think most people are familiar with. Yes. So how do we recognise the symptoms of anxiety and depression yeah good question good
1: question i suppose yeah so there are very very different um disorders so i suppose depression is uh is 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 a broad term to describe people who feel in a way disconnected with 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 the world in relation to their mood is is relatively quite down you know they they have negative thoughts whereby everything is a lot more pointless Mm. you know very low. see, yeah very low they don't see much point in things anymore so even the things that you used to enjoy before it could be hobbies social activities all of these things now you're starting to withdraw from it but also in relation to motivation becomes a problem so you're finding it difficult to motivate yourself and that can have again added impacts you know you finding it hard to go to work finding it hard to find pleasure in the things that you do but ultimately also there's a self-negative thought so again mm-hmm. because of the lack of pleasure and positive emotions such as accomplishments you then start to have almost self-sabotaging thoughts self-loathing thoughts you know thinking that you're a failure so it's 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 very much that vicious cycle there so that that's that's depression it's almost depression can almost be described as you feeling like you've lost the battle so you're no longer fighting
0: right and of course there are sort of different extremes some people might just feel a little bit low and others might feel completely helpless 100%
1: yeah so it's almost like a spectrum there isn't it so you know you have people who are clinically depressed so these are recognized as someone that is very very the depression is very is having a significant impact on their day-to-day life and of course Mm -hmm. you have people perhaps who are perhaps a bit more within the medium uh middle of the the spectrum I suppose some people have depression but they can manage on a daily basis
0: and Um, I think that's where most of the issues lie when people can manage yes they're still acknowledging that it is an issue
1: yes yes indeed indeed you know what I mean yeah 100% yeah and I think yeah you, you 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 made a you made a fair point there as well and I suppose sometimes what tends to happen is that depression if depression mild depression or moderate depression goes untreated mm-hmm. for a long period of time it can then develop into severe depression mm-hmm. it can also develop into other ecosocial uh, difficulties and, and applications doesn't it you know you can you can lose your job because of it because yeah. you can't pa- pass making more mistakes or you can lose friendships out of it so you can very much have an added impact but also depression and anxiety are very much closely related so what we tend to find is that people that have depression also tend to show symptoms of anxiety and vice versa right. and, and again anxiety is a very broad term and umbrella term to mm. describe many different disorders within that so uh, disorders such as uh, phobia phobia yeah. disorders you know having a strong phobia uh, social anxiety is also a phobic diso- uh, disorder where you find it very difficult to interact socially because of a fear of what other people might I think of you. So the fear of judgment and the fear of making a fool of yourself. Mm -hmm. We have the health anxieties and then we have also panic, you know, PTSD, postnatal depression. That's Mm -hmm. recognized as as a as anxiety disorder too. Yeah. Although it's got depression in its world. But again, that just shows you how synonymous depression and anxiety is. Yeah. yeah. You look at depression almost like as someone who has stopped fighting. Um, anxiety is almost the opposite. Is that anxiety is why the fight. still within you but you're very overwhelmed you're finding it difficult to cope and carry on fighting so you tend to find people worrying about the future worrying about it what if so it could be worrying about health which is health anxiety worrying about social situations social anxiety uh it could be worrying about um having a panic attack but yeah so so that's basically how it is so anxiety many different disorders within that depression is one disorder But different levels of it.
0: Okay, I think that's clear. And I think there is definitely a stigma that comes with Mm. both of those conditions, uh, situations. Yeah. You know, and I think that to tell someone, oh, I'm depressed, to tell someone, oh my gosh, I'm anxious, and just to say it's important that we appreciate that anxiety is. A natural human emotion. 100%. I mean, everybody feels anxious at some mm. point in their life, whether it's, I don't know, anxious about a new job, anxious mm. about going somewhere for the first time. You know, this is a normal feeling. It's when mm. it becomes, as you said, overwhelming. Exactly. And continuous and you, you find it hard to do stuff and all the other things that you outlined. Mm. That's when it's something that needs to be addressed. But I'm wondering, is it because we still have so much stigma attached mm. to the, the terms depression and, and anxiety, the reason why a lot of black men in particular particular avoid would even entertain the idea Mm. of admitting that they're suffering from depression or they're feeling anxious you just don't hear it no and in a lot of ways you can (laughs) you can see it you and I could probably look at someone and and speak to them for a little while and see there's an element of depression there or there's some depression maybe creeping in there's a bit of anxiety but you can't tell someone oh you are depressed you are anxious. Mm. they have to come to you and say this is how I'm feeling and so on (laughs) so forth before you can make that diagnosis right
1: hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's, that's what it is, isn't it? Within the health, national health system, black and, and ethnic minorities are significantly underrepresented. Significantly. Right. I mean, within my work, predominantly, I work with Caucasian male and females, right. you know, and it's really, really rare for us for me to work with the black male or black females, actually, for me to see them, which is very, very interesting. But in a way, also, like I said, Shara, it very much represents also the amount of professions that are within the mental health field. Because there aren't many at all. If we were able to to change that stigma and value mental health more, what you would see in the future, you would see definitely a lot more male and, and Black females occupying That's professional, nice. yes, yeah. professional occupation within the mental health field, but also at the same time, it will also reflect on how many people actually come forward to receive support for that. And this is the case for many cultures, but particularly within the African African uh, household, is definitely the fact that we very much equate showing emotions, of emo- all emotion itself, as a sign of weakness. Right, and And, and this is not, because of, you know, our own faults. No, not at all. It's almost the fact that actually this is what we've been taught, isn't it? We we see our parents fighting or or, or remaining resilient during difficult Mm -hmm. times. And and we see that as almost, we role model that. And I think sometimes as well, at times where we do show our emotions, you're very quickly told to, you know, to to shut up or hush it down. Dismissed, yeah. Dismissed, yes. Yeah, that's the white road. And, And again, you know, what does that do to a child growing up? You know, how do they value their sense of them being, quite open with their emotion how do they see that you know what 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 fear do they have about how other people might perceive them because yeah. if we think that actually our own parents might see us as being weak or they might act negatively towards it you know how would other people see us
0: yeah yeah mm. very does, does, does that
1: make sense it yeah does. so mm. are we
0: saying then that i guess the fight for good mental health all around would mm. have to start in the home
1: 100 yeah I, I agree with you i think i think as a generation going forward and a generation that, you know, that's very, quite affluent, I think within as much as we talk about uh, black people finding it difficult to recognise mental health, you know, we, we're also thriving in many different departments. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And I think we, we should use the opportunity to educate ourselves right. yeah? so that we can go then carry on that learning and, and pass it down to our children. And allow them to to express their emotions because if, if you if you look at it, we're quite selective, isn't it? In which yeah. emotions we allow, or in oh, which yes. emotions
0: are okay to show,
1: are okay to show. Yes. Yeah. And
0: if it, we're often allowed to show anger. Yes, we can show happiness through laughter and you know and enjoyment. We're not allowed to show sadness. Yes, we're not allowed to show fear. Mm. We're not allowed to show jealousy, okay. upset, envy, all of the things that make you yes a, 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 a full on person. Yes. If yeah. most of these things are, are told, you know, taught to us that we shouldn't be allowed, then you're literally a quarter of a person, really.
1: One hundred percent. And I think yeah, you, you you hit on the nail there. And in these emotions, you're absolutely right. Sadness, you know, guilt, envy. and like I said, the natural biological responses to our environmental circumstances, yeah. isn't it? We, we can't stop feeling ourselves. No, we can't. So
0: what yeah. happens then? If yes. you can't stop it, but you're feeling these, these feelings, but you're not allowed to express, then that manifests. 100%. As more sort of sinister, if you like.
1: Indeed. But also, if you think of it that way, as a child, because we talk about attachment, attachment styles are very, very important, but also how we learn to identify what is socially appropriate and what's not. So, yes. if a child identifies that showing emotions of sadness or envy or guilt, Isn't socially appropriate within the household? How are they going to take that learning moving forward? Well, a really good example is that perhaps imagine a young child showing emotions of anger. So you have a parent telling him, don't be sad, yeah, emotion of sadness, apologies, telling him, don't be sad, yeah, you can't be sad and usually the parents tends to to kind of express that with a sense of either disappointment mm-hmm. or anger themselves so as a child you really learn that that cognitive appropriation of you know what i won't, I won't be loved or my parents will show me love unless i do this or unless mm-hmm. i show a certain emotion so in that sense for a child the love almost becomes conditional yeah I will only show you attention if you show these emotions if you show this emotions then I'm gonna cut you off does that make sense so we quickly learn that Yeah. yeah
0: and children are very smart at learning things like that they're very smart at understanding what is accepted and you know just as you're saying it I'm thinking yes that is exactly what is happening with young black boys especially when I say young black boys because young black girls are still taught that okay yeah we're taught we need to be tough and the rest of it but we're also taught that we can be emotional because it's almost expected stereotypically, we've got a lot of sass, we've got a lot mm. of attitude. And with that, you kind of expect it's, it's emotion, isn't it? So yeah. if we're expected to be sassy and, you know, head snapping, finger clicking mm. and all the rest of it, then mm. that's showing an emotion. So we kind of learn quite quickly. It's okay for us to, to do that, but we expect the boys not to show anything yeah. like this. Yeah. Thinking back, it's true. And can I just, before we move on and I forget, course, you yes. mentioned affluence. Yes. I think that is key in a lot of instances because when you look at, and it shouldn't be, mm-hmm. but I do feel, I strongly believe that people that come from certain backgrounds yes. have a certain amount of money. I'm mm-hmm. in a different class. They'll be quick to go and get therapy yes anything goes wrong someone dies someone's having I mean a child could be at school being bullied mm. they're getting them therapy they're mm. quick they're yes. on it you're going to see a therapist we're going to talk this out we're going to unpack it we're going to understand with <coughs> black people I, I, I don't like the fact that I'm making it a class thing because it's not but I feel like there's elements of it 100% yes and if you haven't got Quote unquote money, mm. where are where you where going to get the money to go and see a therapist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And so it's, it's things like that. People look at therapy. A lot of black people look at, oh, that's for rich people. Yes, that's a rich yeah. man's thing. Let them have that. They can go and lie on the, the mm. therapist bench and talk to themselves. So <laughs> I'm just going to go and smoke my people, drink my people, so I'm good. You know, you know what I mean? but it's not the way no
1: no 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 and, and i think actually there's, there's a there's a sense of miss uh mis, do you know Understanding what I mean? there isn't it yeah it is it yeah. is it's, it's, it's very much misunderstood that these days actually therapy is very much quite free within the nhs but i think you mentioned a very important point there i do believe that certain people with a certain economic status they do have more resources to do things hmm. uh to to perhaps so are their mental health or help their offsprings with poor with mental health and it's normalized as it? you well. Know, it, it is normalized, yeah. So you, you look at the, the three ethnic groups that are completely at the low end of socioeconomic status within the UK that are Pakistani, Bangladeshi and and Black Caribbeans. And and I think you, you talked about parenting as well because that it, it just shows that stress is synonymous to low socioeconomic status.
0: Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yes.
1: And as a parent, you know, it doesn't matter. The stress that you're going through will impact your parenting style. There's, there's no doubt about no that. It will impact your behavior. It will so, also impact your own ability to regulate your, your own emotion. So there's a lot of psychological impact that stress has on you, but also a lot of biological impact too.
0: Definitely.
1: As, as a parent, you know, your responsibility is to keep a roof over your children's head mm-hmm. or over your family's head. That's so you thing. definitely have less financial but also mental resources to focus on therapy. At the same time as well, your parenting staff will be perhaps a bit less perhaps supportive compared to someone who's on the opposite and the, yeah. the cycle does that make sense yeah yeah, so, yeah, it does. yeah all of that has an impact so we talk about attachments what does that mean for a child in a low socioeconomic status uh with a parent who's very stressed struggling to keep a roof over their heads how does that mean in relation to attachment especially if the parent's behavior can be quite hostile or cut offish you know so if if a child grows up identifying that certain emotions are, are negative but also identifying that actually their own needs as a child weren't always met you all look at different means to overcome the lack of of positive emotion by the lack of attachment mm-hmm. so attach poor attachment style early on in life has found to have a direct link on addiction later on in life because what does addiction or substance give us it gives us a sense of comfort comfort yeah being, being, being loved and if we lack that early on in childhood how are we going to go and seek that comfort, especially if a, if a relationship with her parents has been impacted through socioeconomic means, but also due to mental health. So yeah. th- there's a lot going on there.
0: There's a lot. And mm. again, that also kind of, well, that ties in, definitely ties in with, with affluence, you know, with class and, you know, yes. socially as well. And I really hate the fact that that is a thing, but we have to be real about life. And mm. so just adding to that, when we do see black people that are screaming from the rafters about therapy, it's usually black celebrities. Yes that have mm. life That's interesting yeah in a way isn't it yeah We yeah. don't see the everyday man. Mm. I'm the first person to say to people you know something therapy is an option and actually in my little circle I love the fact that it's so normal Mm. I'm not talking about people that are in the sort of psychological field or anything like that just regular people mainly females that have will openly admit that they will see therapy maybe once a year just to download just Mm. to clear a few things up just as a kind of precaution rather than an actual uh, resolution to to use that space to be able to talk about things that might be of concern could pose a problem down the line so you're it's almost like we're addressing it before it gets there I don't hear black men talking like this, there's always a, a kind of, you know, there's a, a barrier. It's instant. Mm. I don't need therapy. What do no. I need therapy for? Yeah. Instantly. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's almost quite defensive, isn't it? Very
0: defensive. Yeah, yeah.
1: Therapy it's because... almost like to, to suggest someone therapy it's almost to suggest that they're weak.
0: Or, or you know, I'm mad. Are you Look, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the whole idea, love, is so that yeah. you don't go mad. You
1: know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a preventative, thing. not yes. not not to cure. Not yeah.
0: <laughs> thing. I think. I mean, again, I know when we spoke before, we were talking yeah. about, you know, especially these young guys out on the road that are witnessing stabbings, mm. murders and things mm. like this, you know, and not getting the therapy because in an instance like that, mm. therapy, I, I don't know, I would say that's crucial. 100% as yeah. part of the grieving process and coming to terms with what's happened
1: indeed 100% and i think you've mentioned a very fair point there so we, we we do have a lot of our black men and black females you know um within their youth experiencing traumatic events and 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 because of their inability to deal with those events or because of of them perhaps normalizing what they see and what they experience they then develop trauma because of it because not not everyone has has trauma following a traumatic events trauma is, all, is, is almost the inability to to, to process a traumatic event um incidence so that's why we we see that not everyone that has gone through a traumatic incidents will develop trauma or inability to 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 process that that's what creates trauma and trauma can present itself in many different ways across many different in- individuals But i think this is important and i suppose within the kind of uh, youth culture and, and and i suppose within the crime aspect of things we we, we as a, a nation have definitely almost normalized that yeah and we've become almost desensitized to a lot of the things that we see not just on tv but also perhaps a music culture yeah so that's that's very interesting so when we normalize something we then fail to see the need to seek support Worth. for when it happens because Enough. we don't see that as being abnormal
0: yeah. And isn't that scary to you as a therapist?
1: Very, very scary. And I think if you compare that perhaps to other ethnic groups or other cultures, you know, if those things were to happen, many of them would be quick to go and seek therapy. I see people within, within my practice with many different forms of trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's very sad is that I also see people with many different types of trauma that are very present within the black community, yeah. but we don't seek support for it.
0: Yeah. So is that then a failing on a who? Who is the support supposed to come from in an instance like that? Because yeah. we, as a community, don't as an entire community, we don't place as much uh, need for mental health mm. or need for therapy and and the, uh, maintaining mental health as we should. Mm. Who is gonna sort of? fly that flag for mm. ensuring that mm. the right kind of therapy and mental health provision is available for especially mm. young people that may be going through traumatic events who's going to ensure that you know it's, it's difficult to kind of where do we sort of begin with it that's the
1: thing isn't it I think it's, it's a huge problem to, okay. to almost trying to, to tackle but what I do feel like we, we, we need to tackle the problem from different angles yeah. not just one and I think actually the most important point to start is within ourselves yeah I think actually as the thing you know the conversation that you're now having right now that's you know that's an example isn't it the fact that we're actually choosing to open a form of communication about mental health yeah we're normalizing that mental health is important but also poor mental health needs to be addressed. And I think that's that's, that's important, but also I think for parents, for them to educate themselves on what poor mental health actually looks like and how important their attachments with their kids and how much that needs to be considered for their own mental health. And I think actually by them recognising what poor mental health looks like, it puts them in a much better position to seek support from their children. But at the same time, also your role modelling to your children, that actually as a parent, I care about my mental health as well as my physical health Mm. yeah you were going to say something there
0: I was just going to say so what would poor mental health look like to somebody Mm. if you Mm. have a friendship group and you look at your friends how would I know if I knew nothing yes would someone with poor mental health perhaps look like what are some things that would present
1: they they almost spill out in people's behavior within therapy we, we work on both behavior and cognitions but of course you can't see what someone is thinking but What you tend to find is that people with poor mental health tend to take part in a lot of self-sabotaging behaviour. They also tend to be quite a lot of self-loathing. They tend to see themselves in a very negative light as well. So it's a very sense of them seeing themselves other people and the world in a very negative way
0: uh, the self-sabotage could you elaborate just a little bit on what that that in itself might be because i think that might instantly conjure up this idea of someone i don't know for some it might be self-harm do you know yes what I mean? yes always the case so
1: it was almost choosing tr- short-term short-term g- gain rather than long-term gain so you yeah. look at someone that perhaps is taking part in unhealth behavior that will give them quick satisfaction but in the long term you're actually seeing that's a damaging behavior like you know, and I suppose we, we we have friends that we've seen that that behaviour in. You know, we think you know, are you, are you okay? Why are you doing this? Mm. And if, yeah, I'm doing this. It makes me feel good, but you're thinking, yeah, but how will that make you feel in a year's time? In yes. six months' time, yeah. We'll
0: Even tomorrow
1: or even tomorrow, but also in the sense of actually a change in their behaviour. So if you have a friend who's usually quite quite social, quite outgoing, and then perhaps you're starting to see them a bit more socially isolating themselves, socially withdrawing themselves away from the society, motivation is lacking, they're not as happy as they used to, then perhaps again, that also indicates a, a decline in their mental health. Because we humans are social beings. It's yeah. wired within us. It's wired within us. So if, if that's a ma- massive change to who, how or who they used to be previously, that's a big indicator. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also in regards to anxiety. So if you have a friend that's continuously worrying about things that haven't happened yet. So it's almost that the sense of risk, the very hypervigilance to risk or the very, they can't tolerate uncertainty, can that suggest anxiety right because we all have a friend that was just worries about everything and you keep telling him don't worry about it why are you worrying about that yeah yeah Yeah. so again that's a very good indicator of anxiety that
0: and i suppose even then rather than i mean i just said it so flippantly calm down instead of telling (laughs) someone to calm down maybe say, you know have you ever considered looking at this and understanding why you feel so anxious i suppose that's another way of encouraging friends to yes look after their mental health exactly
1: and i think the way you phrase that is very important isn't it because within that you actually highlighted how it might be beneficial to help someone compared to how it might not be ben, uh, might not be appropriate so telling anyone who feels anxious not to worry about something is just going to lead to the opposite isn't it right
0: yeah uh,
1: and we, we we use this phenomenon in psychology where if i was to tell you not to worry about or not to think of a pink elephant what would naturally happen to you right you're now you're gonna think of that pink elephant. Exactly. Not- yeah. That, yeah. and, and that is very interesting and a lot of clients to me come uh, come to me with anxiety where they feel frustrated because their family members don't know how to address or deal with their own with, with their anxieties and they yeah. say that a lot of them tell them not to worry about it why are you worrying about that and that can be quite c- condescending
0: yeah
1: yeah it can be quite it's, it's judging isn't it yeah it is.
0: Yeah. because you and, don't understand it then sometimes it, it's like well it doesn't mean anything but.
1: exactly and i think that, that the second part in the sentence that like you said actually i think you asked them you know what, what 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 is it you know what 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 worries you the most what's going on so be inquisitive not not to compare them to how you deal with your own anxieties yeah because the difference between someone who is not anxious compared to someone who's very anxious they have different coping strategies on how to deal with future worries or hypothetical worries yeah. so be inquisitive ask them what's going on you know have you always been a worry have you always worried about things like this what else do you worry about mm. i think that's a much more helpful way to approach that Uh, but also again as you said you know maybe just pointing them to useful links maybe from an nhs where it would actually show them symptoms of what anxiety might look like that may actually normalize their own difficulties and they'll feel almost listened to and understood because a lot of people mental poor mental health feel like actually they're not understood it's the fear that if i if i open up people don't won't get me yeah and that tends to be the case with you know because The first people to open up to usually when people go through difficulties, family members or people close to them. Of course, they're not necessarily mental health professions, but also they have their own values about what mental health actually is or if they even believe in that.
0: Yeah, depending on what culture you sit in there's that its own set of kind of I guess rules if you like of what is deemed as an issue and what isn't so yeah, yeah. as you've said you know like someone's saying you know I'm feeling really anxious I can't imagine for a lot of uh, black men especially they've been raised in an environment where it's okay to say that you yeah. know, as a black man again yeah. for women because women are, are naturally presumed to be warriors and naturally presu- you know and it's it's so yeah. it's so stereotypical in a lot of ways which I think is more damaging as well because yeah. you you yes. know, these stereotypes, they cause so much problems. So it's all right for a woman to, to feel anxious, but for a guy? Mm, yeah. You know, yeah, he, he looked on as he's weak. You're soft, you're this, you yeah. that. Yeah. You know, get the yeah. backbone, be a man, man
1: <laughs> yeah. up. The well, that, that's the thing. Man up. Oh, oh, yeah. What does that even mean, isn't it? What does it mean? But also in, in regards to, um, I suppose, what's a common term that people use these days? You know, we move. Yeah, yeah, we move. move. No, I don't want to move. I want what to does stay that mean? <laughs> I,
0: that. I feel like it's so important that we, we look after our mental health. Mm. If I feel a certain way. I'm going to address that. I can't yes. sit on it. I won't sit on it. I think when you understand how easy it is mm. to go sort of left, mm. and when you've seen people go, I've seen people really suffer through mm. smoking weed. I, there's one girl that I know that I went to school with, gone. Yeah, literally um, it triggers mm. psychosis and so on. your mental health I think people don't appreciate just how easy it is to eff it up quite frankly yeah
1: it's it's sad isn't it and, and in a way actually Caribbean Afro-Caribbean yeah. men are, are four times more likely to experience psychosis four That's times
0: different. and do if that down to the weed smoking I would like to I mean I, I know this isn't your area you know you mm. don't smoke, mm. but this whole thing with okay weed doesn't make people crazy when it's been proven that the active ingredient can actually trigger psychosis
1: <clears throat> yeah yeah so it's the, that, that's the thing isn't it so so within weed from from the research that i've done there's there's two different elements and and i suppose these days um where's the cbd is a cbd Yeah, the oil the CBD, so yeah the yeah CBD. so these days you know weed the CBD oil has been extracted away from the psycho, this you know, psychotic elements of the weed yeah. itself. But also, what's very interesting, we look at the reason why people smoke in the first place. So, any behavior that we take part in, which gives us short-term pleasure, but maybe long-term more damaging, is almost like an escapism mm-hmm. behavior. Yeah, doesn't make sense. It helps us avoid our emotions, but also it helps us disconnect with reality. Because reality, as we know it, for people who have gone through trauma, is painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reality is painful. So again, that's why therapy is so important. It's actually allowing us to make sense of what's happened to us, but also how we are who we are because of our past experience. And also actually look at more helpful ways to actually get that sense of pleasure, achievements and comfort whilst carrying on being self-sabotaging our own, our own body. So, and and yeah, you're absolutely right. But for, for long-term avoidance of stress and mental health can lead to more severe Mental health difficulties as psychosis. Yeah. yeah. So not necessarily read, but also not tackling it, not addressing it, that can just manifest itself.
0: Yeah, I will forever. Be on about you know please I, I, I've spoken to people uh, you know black guys in particular I've said you know have you ever considered therapy mm. at oh, I'm laughing we're talking mm. about therapy mm. do- mm. what do you mean we don't do that I've heard that so many times we don't need that that's for crazy people that's if you've yeah. got it the whole thing is wrong the whole understanding mm. is wrong you know and you, as you said four times more likely yeah. Afro-Caribbean brothers out here four times mm. more likely 400 know,
1: that's 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 amazing. staggering isn't it
0: that's like yeah. every, I would say that's probably every other Afro Caribbean person that yeah. we know. Yeah. That's, that's, that's staggering.
1: Mm, that's staggering. Over time, we have attached the meaning of, of what mental health actually is to to people's masculinity. Yeah. And, and that's, that's dangerous, isn't it? And I suppose with a lot of black men, perhaps me as well, myself, before I start training as a psychotherapist, is the fact that actually to be masculine. You know, you have to be strong. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 you if you're experiencing poor mental health, that in a way demasculates you. And I think because of the social comp- competition that we have with each other, as men always do, you know, you, you don't want to s- show that side of you not- because because ultimately we're quite hierarchical, aren't we, as oh, as, as beings, especially men? Does that yeah. make sense? You know, especially black and- men. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, you know, we want to be dominant, you know, we want to hold a high status within a mm-hmm. social social uh, perspective. So, you know, by you highlighting that, you know, how would that impact you as a person? But again, a lot of the value that we hold about mental health is inundated and it hasn't been updated for many years many years within the black community yeah. you know how we see mental health right now within the black community if it's perhaps how western people used to see about 20 years ago
0: 20 years ago with slow that's, that's crazy high. isn't it? we need to speed up and get with yeah. it seriously yeah. because it's a problem yeah it is it's it, you know it's becoming a problem you know it, like you said earlier on you know poor mental health can lead to Bad performance at work, you know, social issues, all these things that are affecting your quality of life. You know, why deprive yourself of I mean, mm. I know it's easy for us to sit here and sort of say it because we advocate for therapy, mm. but it just needs to be normalized. So it's not gonna be for everybody. It's not mm. gonna be something that everybody needs. I get yeah. that. But it shouldn't be abnormal. No right
1: now it's abnormal it is it's it's difficult isn't it and and I suppose we've talked about also in relation to how poor mental health actually prevents people from from reaching the full potential it it prevents people from taking taking responsibility Mm -hmm. um in a a more high position doesn't it yeah Yeah. so yeah so you tend to find it you tend to find those actually that thrive within the the work environment tend to be those that have better coping mechanisms against stress
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And even back going back to parenting, you know, if you've got a young black guy that has poor mental health and he goes and has a child, how Mm. is he passing on anything worthwhile? You know, not being disrespectful, but Mm. in that respect, how are you gonna pass on anything worth talking about? if yeah. you can't even get your mind together
1: exactly exactly and what's fascinating as well actually recent research has emerged to say that poor mental health is actually more related to nurture rather than nature yeah nice. does that make sense 100 so a, a, a lot of us may attribute our, our poor mental health to our genes but mm. research has shown that it's actually it's got a lot less to do with genes and a lot more to do with our upbringing
0: yeah
1: and learned behavior And which is very, very interesting, isn't it? And as kids, the way that we learn is we learn by observing others. And we don't just observe our parents and what they do on a day-to-day life. We also observe how they deal with stress. And that is very, very important because if we haven't dealt with our own traumas and and then we go ahead and have kids, and that's how trauma is passed around in generations too. There's a term, it's um, intergenerational trauma. Mm -hmm. And this is shown in many different traumatic cases. So sexual trauma, for example. So parents with sexual trauma and symptoms of sexual trauma, what tends to to see actually with their offsprings, when they're a lot older, can see some of those symptoms in their kids. Yes. And also with the Holocaust, Holocaust as well. So a lot of their offsprings demonstrated similar symptoms that their parents did. And yeah, and also in America, you know, so, you know, you look at injustice and racial discrimination and trauma through, through, through slavery. A lot of the people living in today are showing signs on symptoms of depression. It's interesting, isn't it?
0: It is very interesting. It is very interesting. But I totally take the argument that it's more more nurture than nature. Mm. Because if you're behaving in a certain way, that's what you're putting on to mm. your body. yeah you know, It's not about what happens organically. It, well, yeah. I suppose it's organic in a sense, but it's not passed through sort of genetics. It's yeah. just behaviour.
1: Exactly. So, so, so there's, no, there's no very strong or absolute predi- predetermined
0: Right. Gene because to suggest
1: you, that if you have this, you'll have depression in the future.
0: You, you yes. seem to interrupt you, but you see uh, mm. kids coming from um, psychotic—you know, parents that might have psychosis, schizophrenia—but they yeah. don't display that because yeah. they might have been removed from the home, whether they've been put in care. It, exactly.
1: What? What? Wh- whilst we know that if it, if, the, if the kids were perhaps. Uh, left alone in an environment, in a family yeah. setting, it's you unlikely. know, exactly. They might then demonstrate similar. And this is how perhaps phobias are passed on. So you tend to see that you will possibly have similar phobias that your mom has. If your mom has a spider phobia, you will more, more, most likely also have a spider phobia yeah. or develop one. Does that make sense? It's fascinating. It it? It's yeah. not to say it's not to say that you and your mom have genes that predetermines you to have a si- spider phobia. No. But it you just, just means how
0: she's acting around the spider. You're <laughs> yes. going to oh my God, as a, a kid, a, I don't
1: want to be around that a, either. Exactly. So you yeah. recognise that's a threat. Yeah. yeah? yeah. And, and most phobias are irrational anyways. Oh. Our brain is very poor at, as being able to, to recognise illogical thinking when it comes to anxiety and depression. And, and that's where it, we talked about previously, the, the, the imposter syndrome com- comes in as well, because it's almost like self-defeating thought, isn't it? Yeah. Which is not based on facts because it is based on anxiety and the fear of the worst case scenario.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think imposter syndrome, I love the fact that you've brought that up because I was going to say before we wrap up, imposter syndrome, I think it's something that we really need to look at and address because that is prevalent amongst Black people. Um, this idea that they're not worthy of yes. the success or success, yeah. the lifestyle. I mean, obviously you've got people out here that want to be acting like they're ballers and such, but <laughs> when you take when you take them away from the bravado and the, mm. the showy, showy bit, there's still the underlying... I don't necessarily feel like I deserve this. Yeah. Sometimes it's because it's a racial thing. Yeah. how we've been conditioned. Yeah. You know, so how it's, do we kind of move past sort of this this whole imposter syndrome that's infiltrating our community? It's
1: recognized as an unhelpful thinking style, yeah, but also it's also recognized as a key contributing factor. To what may then develop into anxiety and depression. With, with imposter syndrome, what tends to happen is very much an anxiety presentation, almost typical to anxiety presentation. Because we develop self-defeating thoughts and cognitions, the way we we see ourselves, we start to almost believe the doubts that's created in our head. So we start to contribute, attribute the success that we are that we are experiencing as an individual to external factors rather than ourselves right it's, it's very interesting because when, when I started my training one of my training that I did to, to to find myself where I am today I had to apply for this position which was highly competitive highly competitive mm-hmm. yeah honestly honestly highly competitive and I got the space to, to train and and, and 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 do the intensive training for a year but I remember thinking I was almost in disbelief thinking gosh was it luck? Because I was speaking to this person next to me who had a lot more experience. Why did they choose me? Is it because they, they were looking for ethnic minorities? you are starting to actually look what at ways. Things? Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And, and what happens in that situation, in that scenario, when your brain is experiencing any form of thoughts, it will automatically look for means to validate the thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a self-doubting thought, your brain will take part in what we call self-confirmation bias or self-confirmation thoughts. You then start to look at reasons why perhaps you are in the position you are because of luck or not due to your own to your okay. own success. Yes. So so that's where you start to recognize that actually a lot of the thoughts and a lot of the reasons that you come up with aren't actually factual they're based on emotions and they're based on perception rather than facts what's dangerous in anxiety is when we start to recognize we we start to treat our thoughts as facts rather than just interpretation so with cognitive behavioral therapy what we tend to do is actually we tend to come up with a very pragmatic way of recognizing unhelpful thinking styles but also recognizing biased cognitions and come up with a way that actually helps us challenge those negative thoughts in a very factual way. So we end up with a more realistic thought pattern and belief rather than a very biased and anxiety thought. It's very systematic, but it it really is very, very effective because, again, most, most anxiety disorders are very much based on our emotions because we feel this way. It must mean it's true, right. but not necessarily.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I see how that works.
1: Mm. What are you thinking? I got you thinking there.
0: Yeah, no, I'm thinking it's true. It's true. We do take a lot of what we think as factual because mm. we think, well, it's in our head. Exactly. It's to be real.
1: Yes. And that's that's interesting, isn't it? And we don't challenge that. So we may have an irrational thoughts. And in that particular moment of time, because our emotions are so high, we believe in that because we think because I have these thoughts and I feel this way, it must mean it's true. But then in a different period where perhaps you're feeling less anxious, you can look back and thinking, gosh, what the heck did I think that? Yeah. yeah it just shows how much of an impact our mood has on our believability of our thoughts that we experience in that given time of moments.
0: Absolutely. That's very interesting. That is a very interesting way of looking at it. I don't think... Many people view it like that. We literally mm. just take, we're in the moment. How we feel now is what it is. How I'm gonna to feel tomorrow. Okay, well that's what it yeah, is. Yes. And yeah. That's mm. really interesting. Mm, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got Cheryl thinking. This <laughs> <laughs> is <it's laughs> the first time
0: this is the first time I, I see you taking this many pauses, Cheryl. <laughs> you got me on the back for Eve. You got me on the back. But I'm just, you know what? Because I feel like I could be here all day talking about because there's so much to kind of cover. And I'm just obviously mindful of the time, don't want it to draw on too long. But I, I think it's such a broad subject and there's so much that you can kind of touch on and and kind of refer to just just as a final thought Eve, what would you say to your average black man that Mm. is just going through life doesn't necessarily have anything stand out as an issue Mm. but could possibly be dealing with a little bit of depression or anxiety Mm. what would you say is the the first sort of port of call for him okay
1: so i would always suggest and direct people to a trusted website so the the nhs website has a lot of very creditable information on there so Mm -hmm. even if you were to type in depression nhs on 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 google will come up with information about depression and also how to recognize depression if after reading that you actually feel that actually this this sounds like me you know i might have depression at the moment then you do have options you really have options i think the first option will then for you be for you to to make an appointment to gp if of course you feel comfortable with Mm -hmm. because there's always an nhs route which 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 is called ironically IAP stands for increasing access to psychological therapies yeah so it's an initiative that started since since 2011 i think it was so you can get three therapies through that talking therapies bear in mind that gps will initially and are very quick to suggest medication especially before for black individuals (laughs) but you have the right to say no and you can request instead for talking therapies and they can signpost you to local nhs services around your area if perhaps and and just to add on to that as well everything is confidential and everything can be anonymized if you want to if you if you don't want your real name in the file you know if you want an alias you can also request for that to be the case if you don't want to go through the nhs routes then there is this website if you were to go on google and type in b-a-b-c-p psychotherapist you will then have a list of every accredited psychotherapist in the UK and also around your area which work privately and I think if you're specifically looking for maybe BME or black or certain ethnicity you'll also be able to find them there and and you can contact them yourself and arrange for an assessment so you can see them privately as well so without going through through an NHS route but just bear in mind that Private therapy can be relatively quite expensive. So it, it, it is for specific individuals. In relation to m- within my work, uh, I recommend if you are going through difficult times, of course, is either to have therapy once a week or at once every fortnight,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: depending on your financial situations and, of course, availability. And of course, I'm more than happy for anyone to, to contact me for if they have any questions at all, yes. or perhaps if they, they want for me to even assess them. Or we're together.
0: And I think as another black man, because mm. I do really think representation is so crucial, especially when you're dealing with issues, you need to feel understood. Yes. And as much as I rate, obviously anyone that's trained and understands the mind, it's great. Mm. Mm. But culture does play a huge part. percent. Feeling comfortable, being able to identify with the person you're talking to yeah. is crucial. Mm. So yes. If there's any black guys out there that feel that they could maybe use a little bit of direction, yes. a little bit of advice, aren't entitled, Hit up Eve. I'm gonna put all his information in the box below in the information box, so you can link him in there.
1: And I suppose you don't even have to be black; just it's just anyone, anyone. Um, anyone in general. But yeah, it, but but it will be great to see black male because yo, you know, I've been I've been practicing for how long is it now? Since 2016, it's 2017.
0: That's like many really
1: years. Yes, and yo, Cheryl, yo, I can count in one hand how many black males I've seen for therapy. Thank it goodness. is versus yeah, how everywhere. many
0: need. Therapy. Yes,
1: it's it's staggering, man. So there yes, is. and I think the work that you're doing it will go a long way, man. So you know, I appreciate you, man. Oh, I, really I appreciate do.
0: you too. Oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs> As I said to you before, I love black men. Yeah, I think the conversation between black men and women is such an important one. One where we're not arguing, where we're not necessarily disagreeing. I mean, you can disagree healthily, but you yes. know, where we're trying to work <laughs> and understand, make solutions. Mm. That's where it has to be. Yeah. You know, yeah. we can't be we. You can't win a battle fighting amongst yourselves.
1: For real, for real. And I think yeah, we need to we need to reunite on many different fronts and and and, and recognizing each other's struggles. That's that's definitely one of them, isn't it? Uh, and uplifting each other.
0: Yes.
1: Um, uplifting each other. And I think there is much uplifting to do within therapy. And I think that's why we need to recognize that in in the same way that perhaps Americans recognize therapy we need to bring that into the uk
0: isn't it interesting mm. so similar yet so
1: different. <clears throat> so different isn't it
0: why is it americans can appreciate the importance of it but over here it's it's yeah. almost like <coughs> we're just like no we're not having it
1: yeah yeah when when we think about psychological therapy and research you know i I think america is definitely ahead when it comes to that because as you know a a lot of the citations and a lot of the research that i've read throughout my trainings have been american-based research we even look at our diagnostic manual Uh, we have two different ones that we mainly use the european one which is called icp i think icp-10 and the american one is called the dsm the dsm one is a lot more Popular and it's used a lot more within the psychological field, even within the UK. So it does show that they are a lot more advanced. And influenced. Um, yes, and and that also comes a sense of normalisation within the population. Eve, we could go on we
0: could go on and on and on and on i appreciate it man honestly i do too so eve thank you so much for your time today and um yeah i'm gonna link everything there so people can find you and link in with you and um uh, yeah hopefully get on the road to some uh, successful therapy and just exactly. tightening stuff up
1: exactly man let's help the community but yeah again cheryl thank you for your time oh. and yeah if you need me in the future i'm more than welcome to give you time
0: thank you Eve.
1: you're welcome take care